So good morning, everyone. I'm Senior Pastor Chuck Blair. It's great to have you here. And whether you're joining us as part of our studio audience, whether you're joining us from all across the country online live, or as many people do, joining us archived throughout the week, great to have you here as part of today's service. And we sure do have a special one ahead for you today. And it's, it's thinking a lot in this series, Love Anyways. Like how, how do we find our way forward in a spirit of love when times feel so incredibly tense divisive, challenging, etc. And today we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about one way to think about it, which is how can we find a new clarity? Because it's, it's something I think we all want. Like, I want some clarity. I want some clarity. You know, I feel many times like, God, just tell me what to do next. Just give me my marching orders. And that doesn't seem to be quite how God works. I, I think about it this way. Uh, you know, um, it was a funny one. I, you know, I've been trying to have more color, colorful shirts as part of New Church Live. So I decided So I decided to go, and I'm super cheap, by the way. Uh, like, if we go out to lunch, you're paying. And, and uh, so I, I was looking for these. I found eBay is a great place to get shirts because you could get ones that were used once or twice. They look kind of nice. And, and so I ordered a bunch of them, including this one. And this one is a polo linen shirt. Now, I had no idea linen was so hard to iron. Who knew? And, and so this morning with, with my daughter, and she's always trying to pump me up. God bless her. And, and I said, honey, you know what? I'm ironing this, and it's still looking all wrinkly. And, and she said, dad, it looks textured. And I thought, that's a beautiful word. So if my shirt looks textured today, not wrinkly, it's because it is. And thinking about that with life, right? Like, I want all the creases ironed out. I want it all to look smooth. I want it all to look perfect and pristine. And yet, for much of life, it's a linen shirt. It's something that doesn't quite look perfect. It looks a little textured, a little wrinkly, a little wavy. And, and I would imagine your lives look a little wrinkled and a little wavy as well. <laughs> and we're going to talk about today, how, how do we love anyways with that? And, and as we move through these challenges of life, how do we really, really get our clarity going? How do we really understand clarity in a brand new way? Now, part of it is understanding this beautiful passage right at the beginning of Genesis 1. And God saw the light and it was good. And God made a distinction between light and dark. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. That word, and I'm actually going to preach on it today, I'm going to preach on that word in a couple weeks as well, come back. That word distinction, I think, is so critical. Notice, it doesn't say God judged, or God cast the darkness into the darkness. It says God helps us to draw a distinction between light and dark. Knowing this, maybe, knowing that both are part of life. Darkness and light, and maybe we can see the distinction between the two. Maybe that's the best we can do in our lives. And maybe that's a way we can start to find an inroad into a new kind of clarity. So that's what today's service is about. Looking at how do we make that distinction, and how do we do it in a way that brings a great deal more love and compassion and care to our lives. And as, as the musicians come out here for our first songs, just think about, yeah, what would a distinction look like 
What would it look like to hold things in a much more rich, much more life-giving way? And when we come back, we're going to talk about a beautiful story of that, where the trips are, as well as where the promises and the vision is, if we can find it, discover it, and move forward. Welcome, folks. Welcome to New Church Live.
what a beautiful song. And, and, and to get started, you know, I just want to share a story, and I think it's, it's so much the way life tends to work. You know, it's, 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 God is really interested in goodness, I believe, not so interested in purity and, and perfection. And, and constantly getting reminders of this. Like, we had a service right before COVID, and I thought the service was perfect. We had Nora McInerney. We had this place was sold out. We had like 300 people online. It was our largest single live service we've ever done. And then I get home like, ah, oh, again, not since Moses came down from the mountain with the tablets has a sermon been preached that well. And because Nora just, just knocked it out of the park. And of course, that day, someone came who was a visitor and they just took us apart online. It was so bad that I, they emailed my, my board members really quickly for them to do a review of us on Google so that it would slide down the list. And it was just this reminder, you know, it was just this reminder again that even those things where, where we think it's so perfect, God's going like, no, it's never going to quite be perfect. It's going to have areas that are beautiful and good. It's going to have this invitation to move forward. It's going to have important things to say, to share, to sing. It's going to have all that. But please, don't set it up to be perfect. Because very few things in life are. As Emmanuel Swinburg famously said, mankind's imperfection actually is our perfection, if there is any such thing. So join me on that journey. Join me on a wonderful conversation today as, as we look at how this might work. I want to start with this idea, folks, that I, that I think there's kind of two, two tension, a tension I want to hold here. One is judgment versus navigation. How do, we, how do we judge versus how do we navigate? Now, when we judge things, we tend to come from a deep purity mindset that that things have to be, when I get very judgy, I come from a perspective like it has to just be so. There's a perfectionist part of it, a purity part of it. But navigation's a little different. Navigation means I know how to navigate. Navigation means I know there are storms. Even if you're at home, could we get a little amen on that? Amen. There are storms. Navigation doesn't say there aren't. It just says there are storms. Folks, listen, and let this, let this enter deeply. There are storms, and we're on a journey, and we're going somewhere. There are storms, we're on a journey, we're going somewhere. It's a much healthier place, I think, to be in life. And, and Jesus is so clear again and again about that message. And I want to talk to you about that message here today and read you a little bit. It's with the story of Lazarus, a very famous story if you're not familiar with it. Lazarus has, had died uh, and, and his, his friends, uh, they're all distraught. And they go, they go running to Jesus, asking Jesus to raise him from the dead, which is what Jesus actually does. And it's, and it's a fascinating part to the story. This is Van Gogh's painting of it. It's a fascinating part to the story because, because in a, some of you have heard me talk about this before. I find it so fascinating. The, 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 the clergy at that time, called the Pharisees, they see that Jesus has raised somebody from the dead. And instead of having a parade, they have complaint. There's a lot of complaining going on. 
And folks, I want to urge you this as a caveat. It's so easy to kind of slide over and to think, okay, so we're talking about them and those people over there. And the reality is the way we're to read scripture is to read it and say like, yeah, that's part of me too. (laughs) There's part of me too that sometimes even when really good things happen to other people, we're a little disappointed. We're a little disappointed. Talk to anybody from Cincinnati this week. You know, and that's just human nature. That, that, that isn't saying that's bad. It's just saying it's human nature. And our trick, our job, listen to this, folks, is awareness. Oh, yeah, that's where this is showing up for me. Just awareness. God will take it. And I want you to listen here to this part. And this part, folks, like, I, I want you to, I mean, like, so much I think of, of my job as pastor is I want you to hear the humor and the fun in the Bible. Too often, we miss that. And I think these lines, actually, I'm going to read to you, actually have that they should at least bring, at the very least, bring a little bit of a smile. This is where we're picking up. This is from John John 8. The Pharisees answered him again. He's raised a man from the dead. Clear cause for celebration. And this is what the Pharisee said. The, the Pharisee saying, aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and demon-possessed? And then it goes on. Jesus says, I'm not possessed by a demon, said Jesus, but I honor my Father, and you dishonor me. I'm not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. I tell you the truth. If anyone keeps my words, he will never see death. And here we're talking about a death of our spirit. When we judge like the Pharisees were judging there, we will see a death of spirit. At this, the Pharisees exclaimed, now we know you are demon-possessed. I don't know quite how they knew that. Abraham died and so did the prophets. And yet you say that if anyone keeps your word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? (laughs) That's a great line there. Who do you think you are? Now, let's look at just a, a, a part of that, folks. This is from John 8, 48. Aren't we right in saying you are a Samaritan and demon-possessed? That, my friends, is known as telling the question. They're not actually asking anything. I mean, here's a trick. You really want to know how to converse with people? Ask them a question that you don't know the answer to. Great little conversation piece there. And there's this judgment, right? It's, it's, I mean, just folks, like, let that sink in. Aren't we right in saying you are a Samaritan and demon-possessed? That's part of, of our mindset, too, right? Like, I can definitely do that. Where, where I, I've made so many judgments out there already around perfect, pure, all that stuff, all these judgments out there that that I'm not even asking the question anymore. Even when I ask a question, I'm really telling them what my judgment is. And hopefully you can see like how crazy that is in light of this, of this simple fact. That Jesus had raised a guy from the dead. And still, they weren't outside of their judgment. They couldn't move out of that. 
welcome, I think, to a big part of the human condition. What, is this, what does this remind us of? Well, well, when we were talking about it in our sermon writing team, we we're talking about the famous story. Some of you know it, some of you probably don't. You know, the famous story of Adam and Eve over in the Garden of Eden. And here are all these trees and, 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 and all kinds of things, this, this paradise. And in this paradise, God says, look, I just have one thing to ask of you. Please do this. Please don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now just think about that for a minute. Just breathe into that for a second. And see that as a metaphor or an allegory. Here's God saying, like, look, you have paradise in front of you. Enjoy it. Celebrate it. You have people with you. Enjoy it. Celebrate it. Just don't eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now, one way to look at that is to say God's saying we're never to think about what's good and what's evil. I don't think that's what it's saying at all. And it's not saying that from a Christian new church perspective. It's talking about this fruit of that tree that we're, that we're not to eat. And I think what the warning here is, is, is this. I think God, if I was to use it in our phrasing today, I think God would say, like, look, don't go to that tree thinking you're going to be able in real simple ways to make judgments. Life is never, my experience, never as simple as it might appear. It's so easy to think like, oh yeah, this is the simplicity, this is the box, this is the person, this is why they did that thing, this is the box, this is the person, this is why they did that thing. That's eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's where we're absolutely positive who the person is. And to go back to the Pharisees, even if we ask a question, we're not even asking a question, we're really coming even there from a judgment. It's not an open field then. It's not love anyways. <laughs> it's love only if. And I think Jesus is saying, no, we got to get to love anyways. we got to leave this idea, and we have to get clear that, that there's other things we need to leave as well. It's, it's interesting, folks, just this basic point, and I think this is, this is so critical to get, so critical, super important, especially watching as churches and synagogues and mosques struggle in this day and age. The Pharisees, these people, they were both clear and certain. They were both clear and certain. They were able to make that absolute distinction between light and dark. And they were clearly saying, Jesus, you're on the side of darkness. And it comes from a belief that they were the only ones who knew what a holy place was. I, I just, you know, this is, this is really big. Because I think in life it's so easy to get tripped up with our spiritual lives believing, yeah, we just want somebody who's just absolutely clear and absolutely certain. And how much of that's really that desire to finally know all things? 
don't know we ever do. It's why I think it's always, you know, kind of funny. And somebody told me this way back when, when I started being a pastor. They said the hardest part is a lot of times as a pastor, you're a conversation stopper. Because you enter into a group, they're in a conversation, then it's like, what's the answer? I don't know. They expect, people expect that clarity and certainty, not just of pastors, but of a lot of people. And I think more and more we have to relax into just a place where we're navigating a journey. We're on it together. And we're going somewhere. And some days the shirts will be a little wrinkly. That's a much more grace-filled place to be. I want to say this as well, folks, and I think this is incredibly important. Purity is false clarity. Purity is false clarity. If we believe we can create a church, and I'm going to add in any other group, even groups that want nothing to do with church, if we believe we can create a group, any group, church, any kind of nonprofit, anything, that, that, that is somehow going to be pure, I would say that's a false clarity, and a false clarity leads to this purity thing. It just, it just doesn't really work that well. When we work at something being pure, more and more pure, it doesn't make it more and more holy. This week, you know, we, we had a group meet around grief. And there are stories there that are not mine to tell. And what I can share is there's just real heartbreak. Some incredibly hard, hard stories. There was nothing pure about that evening. Of course, anytime you gather people who are wrestling with grief, you're going to see the whole gambit from people who have moved to a place of grace to people who are still angry to people who are withdrawn to this. You're going to see it all. There's nothing in terms of purity there at all. But friends, listen to this. It was holy. It was holy. Keep that in mind. Churches have to be holy. Synagogues, mosques, any group, it has to be holy. It doesn't have to be pure. Purity is a false god. This is connected to this idea, folks, that, that inf infallibility is not a good basis for relationship. <laughs> I want to say that again with a smile. Infallibility is not a good basis for relationship. If we really do tend to lean towards sort of a purity perfectionist mindset, we really will try to sort of voice this, this, this expectation of infallibility on other people. That's not fair. That's not how it's going to work. 
And it's setting us up for disappointment and anger and resentment. And nothing good comes out of resentment, I guarantee. I mean, folks, when was the last time you got a good plan that was born out of being resentful? It just doesn't happen. So again, we have to re-see this. We have to recalibrate this. We have to think of this in new ways. We have to understand that, of course, both parts of us, this part sort of blessed by Jesus that shows up and is, is this part of healing, and this other part that's the Pharisees that's all about purity and judgment. And we have to be able to get, we have a choice there. And it's, it's not even saying we're going to make the choice 100% right 100% of the time. That's its own purity bracket. It's, again, just an awareness of it. Just this deep awareness of it. We have to be, you know, I, I had a communication from a, from a congregant, and they were worried about, would this church be a home for them? And they were talking about orientations. And I said, we will always be a home for you. We will always be a home. I think, folks, that's so important to make commitments that way. And that's, that's a very different kind of commitment. It's a navigation around a true north. Something we know clearly we're always, always going to stand for. And it's interesting watching how, how, Jesus, how Jesus sort of reacts to this. And when you look how Jesus reacts to pushback, it's interesting. And he has a bunch of different reactions. I mean, sometimes they're not terribly good. You know, and I think, again, when we look at, at the Lord's life, like, I think he's here to say, yeah, sometimes I kind of lost my cool. I, I would have a hard time identifying with someone who didn't. And then he has other times where he's just like, you know what? I'm leaving. <laughs> this is just crazy. I'm not arguing anymore. I'm getting out of here. Does that a bunch of times. And then he has these other ones where, where I think Jesus is pointing us towards a new way of seeing things. A new way of coming back, right? Because I know, for me, when purity kind of shows up and rears its head, I can be every bit as self-righteous and purity-oriented speaking out against it. That's not the answer. I think that's a reaction a lot of the time. And I think Jesus is always kind of looking, both gently and very forcefully, very forcefully, but it's so subtle. I think, I think when, we read, when we read the New Testament, we can miss it a lot. I do a lot, I should say. I shouldn't put it on you. Maybe you see it more than I do. You know, it's this real subtle kind of third way stuff where he doesn't quite directly engage it. Like, it's interesting watching how, what Jesus said, what he didn't say. And here are these Pharisees, and they're saying, like, look, how can you raise them? Like, go, they go after him about raising a guy from the dead. <laughs> and Jesus doesn't go like, wait, I just raised a guy from the dead. He never says that. He very subtly kind of pulls it, confronts it, confronts it very directly. But, but he, he pulls it in such a way that there's a vision there. I mean, it's, some of you have heard me say this before. It's, it, it's similar to Martin Luther King, Civil Rights Mart, the I Have a Dream speech. The I Have a Dream speech 
was to get a particular piece of civil rights legislation passed. But Martin Luther King didn't mention the passage of that bill one time in his I Have a Dream speech. That's third way thinking. That's invitation. It's not a polarity. It's a true north and a journey. So this is just one of the lines that Jesus wrote. This is from, it said, this is from John 8, 57, 58. He's talking about your father, Abraham. In other words, the ancestor of, of, of this particular faith. Uh, your father, Abraham, rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. Before Abraham was born, I am. So folks, just, just look at those words, right? The word rejoice, the word seeing, the word gladness. I mean, that's what, that's what Jesus is inviting them to. A world of rejoicing. The word, word rejoice, somebody's going to shout it out here because I say it all the time. The word rejoice in Greek could also be defined as the word. Oh, shoot. All right. There's my imperfect moment. Thrive. The word rejoice also means thrive in Greek. So think about that. Anytime you see rejoice, Jesus is saying rejoice, he's saying thrive. Thriving. Truly seeing. Having a heart that's filled with gladness. In this beautiful last line, before Abraham was born, I am, this, this great going back to the I am, that a definition of who God is, I am. And in the beauty of that, I find, folks, you know, with the idea of the great I am, is, is the idea, like, here's God saying, like, look, I'm holding the whole thing. I've got this journey. And it's a journey that's good. Not a journey that's necessarily perfect as we would have it. Beauty there, folks, because what we end up with is we end up with a navigation, a way to navigate, and we navigate now with a new clarity. It's not a clarity that's based on sort of this final decision on this thing. It's a navigation where we move through and with all the imperfections of life. All the different perspectives around life. We move forward with them. We're no longer hoping at someone. <laughs> We're hoping with others. Big difference between those two. And how would I phrase, like if I was to say, well, what is this new clarity? And this is my words. Feel free to change them, alter them in ways that you think really work for you as God gives you to see it. But this is just a stab at it. What we start to do is we start to navigate, navigating around that sense of wholeness. Navigate with the wholeness of life in mind. The wholeness. Life in the round. It's going to be a good day. And this week, one of you is going to be an offender bender. That's how it's going to go. We, we, nav we navigate with the wholeness of life in mind. We move forward 
with a steadfast love. It's not a love that comes and goes. It's just steadfast. It's a love that just, if I was to say, what is steadfast love? It's a love that just keeps on showing up. Doesn't always want to. But it's a steadfast love defined as simply showing up. Again and again. And a shared faith in God and each other. Shared faith in God and each other. That's, that's a big line. Put that in your brain for a second and put it most importantly in your heart for a second. A shared faith in God and each other. Isn't that interesting, right? It sort of echoes the two great commandments. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. Have faith in God. Have the same faith in others that you have in yourself. And if loving God and loving the neighbor as we hold in this denomination are one, that means faith in God and faith in other people should be one as well. Where are we struggling with that? You know, how would you answer that? Can we truly have faith in God? Knowing that what that means is we also have faith in each other. I think we call that community. It's something just to think about, right? I think it's a really powerful idea because, because maybe one of the challenges of life is when we lose faith in each other. And then we get into binary thinking. That gets us far away from the third way. From what God, I think, is calling us to. And look, friends, at this beautiful line. This is a paraphrase from the book Secrets of Heaven. Before regeneration, in other words, before we've gone through a, a period of spiritual growth, no one knows from love what true service is. We only know it from doctrine, whose commandments, rules direct our life. So, so we start out by knowing what to do because there's rules that tell us what to do. And that's phase one. After regeneration, this shifts. And now, folks, listen to this phrase here. We know, know, we know from love. Not from rules, but we know from love. That's a totally different way to navigate. Totally different way. Just that spectacular language. What does it look like to navigate from love? And, and that's not saying, again, I want to be clear, that doesn't mean everything is rainbows and unicorns. That's not. There are hard things to say. There are stands to take. But even then, love is guiding the way, and we're speaking from love. We're serving from love. This is because we now love others and hold a heartfelt desire for their well-being. Heartfelt desire for their well-being. I think you can see the parallel there, right? We, 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 we continue to have faith in each other. Even when evidence might be to the contrary. We continue to have faith in each other. Our lives are now directed by a law written on our hearts. This is so good. This is right from Jeremiah. He's pulling from Jeremiah when he says this. 
Our lives are now directed by a law written on our hearts because a love that belongs to service governs our actions. That's beautiful. We have a love here, and, and it's in this neighborhood called service. That's where it's cemented. That's where it lives. Not about what's wrong with this and everything, but, but how can I serve here? Let me talk more about how that plays out next week. But imagine like a love embedded in this service mentality that becomes the way we navigate the world. Maintaining faith in each other and faith in God. The two inseparably one. What could that look like? See, folks, I, I, love, I love this idea, right? I was listening to, to Kate Bowler, and I highly recommend you listen to her. She's very fun to listen to. Wonderful Christian uh, professor down at, down at Duke. And Kate, Kate she, she, she says stage four colon cancer. And she has a wonderful podcast. And, and Kate said, you know, this is my conclusion about life, you know. And listen to this, folks. And think about it with the Olympics, right? Think about it with the Olympics. We never stick the landing. We just, we never stick the landing. There are very, very few, almost never perfect scores. And if we, if, if we, if we start to think that way, I'm going to say this. That makes you like the Russian figure skating coach. Don't do that, right? Probably some of you saw the, the incredibly crass thing that was said to that 15-year-old girl, Russian figure skater. It's, it's folks like, how, how can we really get, yeah, or just I'm going to give up that I'm going to stick the landing. That service with Nora McInerney, didn't stick the landing there. A lot of us who, now this is not me yet, but, but I imagine a lot of us approach retirement, we sort of look at retirement, and it'll be like, well, when I retire, I'm going to stick the landing. Probably not going to happen. And on a more sober note, I, I think a lot of people, we come to end-of-life issues, and and we tend to think, well, you know, as, as life kind of winds down and all this, I'm going to stick the landing. I've been with a lot of people who've transitioned. Pretty much people don't stick the landing. <laughs> Listen, folks. They don't stick the landing. And they love each other. They don't stick the landing. And they love each other. That's the world I think we want to start to inhabit. And as the band comes out here for our middle song, you know, think about that. And, and think about how that looks in your life. Like, what does it look to actually live into the, those things? And then when we come back, I'm going to leave you with a closing thought, and then we're going to be joined by Bishop David Lindruth, who's going to lead us in a closing prayer today.
have a special guest for this song. This is Kevin. This is your friendly reminder to make a donation to New Church Live, and it's super easy, and there's a handful of ways. There's a QR code below, which will take you to the donate page, or you can text the word New Church Live, all one word, all lowercase, to 77977, and you can make a donation that way. Or you can visit our website, www.newchurchlive.tv, and there's a donate tab there. Both places you can set up a reoccurring donation or you can make a one-time donation and all of your support helps fuel everything that happens here at New Church Live. We're so appreciative. Thank you all so much for making a donation. Thanks.
And yeah, what a, what a, you know, thank you, Kevin, for that. Really admire that. It's great when a high school student has courage to get up here and, and sing. Beautiful stuff. And, you know, I want to I close with, with sort of pulling back around to, to this idea, right, of distinguishing light, light, and dark. Light and dark, light and dark. And, and here's a picture, I think, of what that might look like. This is, you could look at it as sunrise, sunsets, where, where the sun's right at the horizon, right? It's this beautiful thing where we can see the, you can see the distinction there between light and dark. You can see the two, right? That's life. That's life. Paul famously said, I, I see dimly as in a mirror. And I think we see dimly. It's not like most days are not brightly lit up and most days aren't completely dark either. It's this mix. It's this distinguishing between light and dark. And, and again, folks, ready for this? God says both are good. Because it's how we learn. My buddy, Kane sent us this wonderful little note. He said, every time I look for an arrival, quote unquote, I realize there isn't one. Only one more step, another start of another journey. Boy, that's a beautiful way to navigate. It's a powerful way to see the world. Makes life a lot of fun. And broken. And hard and challenging, and beautiful, and maybe perfect in its imperfection. So friends, let's, let's go out of here, living a life that, that has as, as much of that in it as we can allow in. And again, a lot of it's our choice, and a lot of, it's hard, a lot of times it's hard to make that choice of navigating versus judging. And let's do this as well. Let's just leave here today with a little more faith in each other. Just a little more. And see how God shows up in that. Amen. And now I'm going to welcome my dear buddy Dave to the stage, who's going to lead us in a closing prayer. So again, thank you for joining us today. Dave's going to lead us in a prayer, and then we will have a little meditation in our closing song. Thanks, buddy. Chuck, I just want to thank you for a, a sacred message. <laughs> there you go. And, and I mean a message that goes straight to the heart. And I want to say it's difficult to be a pastor in our world right now. So part of my prayer goes toward you, that the Lord is there for you, lifting you up, equipping you, giving you the strength, and also letting you know that we are around you and we love you. So, start off with that. And Chuck's message for me really got me thinking about Lazarus and I just thought for a minute, just put myself in Lazarus's position. And I invite you to put yourselves in Lazarus's position with the prayer, Lord, resurrect me. Resurrect me and make me alive. 
You want to say that? Lord, resurrect me and make me alive. Just let that sit for a minute. Heavenly Father, we turn to you as the resurrection and the life. We ask that you resurrect each of us. Help us cooperate in that and be resurrection as well so that we can share your love, your insights, your wisdom with those around us. So help us to walk in the path of your life, O oh Lord. Help us share that life with others. And in times where we feel like we're in darkness, we ask, Lord, that you be there with a light that brings your love into our lives, that you give us the courage to share that love so that we can touch other people's lives with your infinite life lifting people up and giving them peace. Amen. We pray, Lord, as you taught us, our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May the Lord give his angels charge over you and keep you in all his ways. Amen. Performance, 
He said he could see through me. I spent four years prostrate to the higher mind. Got my paper and I was free. And I went to the doctor. I went to the mountains. I looked to the children. I drank from the fountains. There's more than one answer to these questions. Point at me in a crooked line. And the less I seek my source for some definitive, closer I am to thy. Closer I am to thy. I stopped by the bar at 3 a.m. to seek solace in a bottle or possibly a friend and I woke up with a headache like my head against the board twice as cloudy as I'd been the night before and I went in seeking clarity and I went to the doctor I went to the mountains I looked to the children I drank from the fountains we go to the doctor we go to the fountains we look to the children questions pointing me in a crooked line and the less I seek my source for some definitive closer I am to thank you very much Thanks to Kevin for singing that beautiful song. Take care, everybody.